Hey everyone, welcome to the Fortress of Solitude podcast. I'm your host, Sergio Pereira, and today I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Sam Aberdeen. He's a fantastic writer, and he's the editor of a South African geek site called Nexus Hub. If you don't know about Nexus, it's actually a really cool shop in uh, Randburg, and they sell um, a lot of uh, games and figurines and comic books, and actually, it's a shop that I love going to all the time. When I used to work close to it, I was there pretty much in my lunch break and, you know, sometimes a little bit over the lunch break, but just don't tell the bosses. And yeah, so we're super excited to have Sam on our podcast today. And yeah, I'm going to take it over to Sam. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing well, you know, as good as I can be in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this lockdown just doesn't end. It feels like the, the curse of 2020. Yeah, every time I have to sneeze, I feel like I um, you know, should isolate myself in a bedroom for 20 hours. So it's not, not a good year. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been it's been a bit of a tough one, but I mean, I'm I'm glad to have you on the podcast. I mean, you know, at Fortress, we always want to have, you know, a variety of guests, and we always love seeing what other geek sites and you know publications are doing in the country because, you know what, it's it's great to see people doing really cool stuff. Like, I mean, I, I see your gaming news that you put out like every day, and it's some of the the coolest stuff. And I mean, I, I saw like uh, the Xbox, you know, discussion about the prices, but that's for another podcast that we can argue about that. Because today we're going to be discussing the best superhero in the world, and no one can disagree with us, Batman. <laughs> now, Sam, Easily the best. <laughs> exactly. Now, yeah. now, Sam, what does Batman actually mean to you as a hero? Um, so it's it's a long story, but I'm going to just you know keep it as as short as possible. When I was a kid, um, I wasn't into superheroes at all. Like that wasn't my thing. Um, it, it was only up uh, when I got into actually watch a movie called Constantine. Oh, um, uh, yes. With Keanu Reeves. And my friend was the one who told me, hey, dude, it's based on this comic book called Hellblazer. And I'm like, okay. And then he gave me a few issues of Hellblazer. And from then on, I've, you know, leaned more towards the, the dark, edgy comic books. Mm. Um, you know, stuff like your Hellblazers, your Witchblades, Spawn. And I think yeah. natu naturally, I would eventually find Batman, you know, somewhere along the line, because he is one of the edgiest um, superheroes ever, I think. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's quite interesting because, you know, you look at Batman, how he developed and it was, he started off as like a, a bit of a, a darker version of Superman, but you know, still a little bit light in the golden age of comics. And then obviously the Frank Miller reinvention, you know, changed everything. And I think especially the eighties was a pivotal mm -hmm. point for the character because suddenly he went from being, you know, what you'd consider DC secondary character, because obviously Superman was number one to actually as, you know, Lego Batman said, you know, the house that DC's built on. I love and, that quote. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's great. And <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, you know, nowadays, even if you look at uh, the diamond listings and all around, like mm. the Batman comic books and the Batman storylines are still the ones that everyone is buying and everyone is getting into. And I think that he's actually such a gateway character, much as the same way that I'd say Spider-Man is for Marvel, that he's a gateway character to, to the DC universe because when you step into the Batman universe, we step into Gotham, you get to meet all the other characters. You know, there's your Nightwing, your Red Hood, your Batgirl, your Batwoman, uh, you know, the Robins. And I believe that, you know, Batman is the one that, you know, brings you into that universe. You start the Batman comic and then you, you get sucked in. Right. I mean, you get sucked mm -hmm. in. 
Um, I, I think uh, there was a good point you brought up about like um, how Batman is is a good entry point because basically with the, he was the first character that introduced me to DC besides Hellblazer, and mm. I think due to the popularity of the movies itself, like Michael Keaton and um, Christian Bale, yeah. But I, I was thinking of the nipple bat suits. <laughs> Uh, yeah. George Clooney. Uh, Why are we talking Clooney. about that? <laughs> we, we won't talk about that today. Let's just no, avoid Sam, that. We're gonna need, a, we need a podcast for that. <laughs> just to discuss that one. Yeah, but I think yeah. like with, with Christopher Nolan's movies, especially everyone like you just saw a boom in popularity with Batman. No, I mean that's the thing. I think that Batman, well, especially Christopher Nolan's movies, is what you know signaled a bit of a change in, in Hollywood. I mean, before that, yes, you got the Spider-Man movies with uh, Tobey Maguire, and you obviously had the X-Men movies as well that Fox. But when Nolan, you know, released you know Batman Begins and especially The Dark Knight, I think that's when everyone started looking at it like, oh, hang on, this can actually be cinema. This can actually you know be bigger than just being a kids movie and mm -hmm. it kind of kicked things off and obviously you know you had iron man that was launched as well in the same year and then you know the mcu but i think you know batman was pretty much pivotal to this golden age of like comic book movies and tv series that we are experiencing nowadays but today we are here to talk about the comic books because you know this whole show was inspired by i've been seeing a lot of lists going around lately about you know the best you know batman graphic novels the best batman comic book storylines of all time and it, it's been a little bit much of the same you know everybody lists the dark knight returns and everybody lists you know hush it's you see that in every single list and i believe that there are some more comics out there that people should be reading and people should be exploring more than just you know the ones that everyone knows because yeah batman has got a history i mean he's been around for decades so there are so many stories that people can sink their teeth into and for the show you know sam and i chatted beforehand and we picked each three comics from batman that we feel a lot of people might not necessarily know about obviously the diehard fans maybe you'll know and we're going to discuss why these are must reads so sam i'm gonna give this over to you now and give me your first pick and okay. why um so my first pick is a um i guess you can call it an outworld story um it's gotham by gaslight by brian augustin and mike mignola okay. um so this isn't your traditional batman story actually it's it doesn't take place in modern day it actually takes place in the gothic victorian era which is the late 1800s um and it, it, it's a one shot about Batman basically going off to Jack the Ripper, which is, mm. you know, two of the most insane things you could ever imagine possible coming <laughs> together in one story, Batman and Jack exactly. the Ripper. And yeah. I think like um, the reason why uh, Gotham by Gaslight isn't the most um, or the least popular choice because of the movie adaptation. Mm. Um, but I feel like even the movie doesn't do the comic book service, which is the case of for a lot of animated movies, the DC ones. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting choice. I mean, uh, I know Gotham by Gaslight, I've read the book and I've also watched the, the animated movie, but I'll be a little bit honest with you. It's for me, it's I, I enjoy, you know, the Elseworlds sort of tales that they are there. But for me, Gotham by Gaslight, I, 
it sometimes feels a little bit distant from a Batman book for me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's something for for you to obviously you know to sell it to me and, and tell me why this is a seminal Batman story. Um, I actually felt the same way you did when I first read it because I, I thought this is this isn't a Batman story. It doesn't feel like a traditional Batman story, and I was sort of put off by it. It's only when I reread it that I, I get a new perspective on it. Um, I saw it not as a Batman story, but as a Jack the Ripper story. You know, suddenly mm. my entire perspective changed. I sort of kind of had to remove myself from the fact that this is a Batman comic book and sort of see it as like this old school detective Victorian style um, one shot. And I think I enjoyed it way more when I looked at it through that lens, um, just because it's it's such a complex story and it's so rooted in real world history you know obviously the Jack the Ripper killings back then it, it was a very um very dark time and mm, yes. for a comic book to take that and not make light of it but sort of adapt it with a famous superhero was so jarring for a lot of people and it's still jarring for people today everyone I speak to is like you can't do that man you can't have a superhero fight Jack the Ripper um but when, the, the more I looked into it, the more I began to appreciate just how... I'd say the reason why maybe you don't like it is the reason why I think I began to appreciate it over time. Because of how different it felt. And when you have so many Batman um, stories and graphic novels coming out that all feel the same, I feel like Gotham by Gaslight was such a refreshing you know, change of pace for Batman style. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very different. I mean, that's you're 100% correct there. And I think it, it leans in on the angle of, you know, Batman being a detective, you know, a little bit like Sherlock Holmes. Obviously, there's an mm -hmm. element to, to obviously the mythos, so we know. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I completely get what you're saying. It is a Jack the Ripper story. It has got something a lot different from other books. And yeah, I mean, maybe it just perhaps is I have to give it another reread because the first time I read it, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is different, but would I consider it like, you know, one of my top Batman stories? Maybe not. But I mean, you are saying a couple of good points. Perhaps, you know, looking at it differently might make me appreciate it a bit more. Yes, and I, I think that's the advice I can give anyone who wants to read this um, the story is go into it and don't look at it as a Batman story. Uh, rather look at it as, like you said, you know, Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper tale. And I think you might appreciate its nuances a bit more. Cool, cool. Now, it's time for my first pick. And my first pick is going to be one that I don't think a lot of people are very familiar with, but it's a Batman story that actually, it got me back into it. Because there was, for a few years, I was a little bit off the comic book uh, like bandwagon, you know, and the whole wagon. I wasn't there because I just felt a lot of the stories that were coming out at the time was much of the same. There weren't stories that were grabbing me. So I was only picking up a lot of old you know, old school comic books and, you know, graphic novels. And then I picked this one up just purely by accident. And it actually pulled me back into it. And I was like, okay, wow, there's, there's something interesting happening in DC now. And I want to read this. And the book for me was Batman, the Black Mirror by Scott Snyder, Jock and Francesco Francavella. And I think this, this book is because of two things here. One, it's Snyder's writing. And two, it's a fantastic art. And what I really like about this is that it's not just a story about Bruce Wayne. It's actually the story where Dick Grayson puts on the cowl. And I'm a sucker for it. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big Nightwing fan. And I love the stories where, you know, Dick Grayson actually decides to be Batman. 
And for this like whole run, it was him solving some really dark, you know, mysteries around Gotham and interacting with the Bat family and, you know, kind of finding his own as Batman. And for me, I think this was a lot stronger than the time that he, he picked up the cowl in Nightfall. This was, you know, the story was like, wow, you know, I could actually happily live with Dick Grayson as Batman. So Sam, I don't know, have you read this book? Do you have any thoughts on it? Um, so I am a fan of Scott Snyder's work, but I have a confession. I have not read this yet. And I, I see a lot Heresy. of people <laughs> recommending it all the time. I just have not read it yet. It's the thing about it is that it, it feels like Snyder was actually freed because this was the final Batman, like big storyline before new 52. So obviously at this point, I'd imagine that, you know, the powers that be were like, okay, there's a reboot down, you know, down the line and you can kind of do whatever you want, you know, this Batman story, because it's not going to matter. You know, we are going to reboot everything and it's going to be, it's going to be different. And there's a sense of freedom here because it feels like super dark and, you know, like actually when I was watching the Batman trailer um, for, for the new Batman, obviously Robert Pattinson, I actually thought that it reminded me a lot of, of the Black Mirror, like a lot of the, the shots from the actual comics and especially from Frank Avila's sort of art that he does because he's also got this sort of look and it's just like, it just looks dark and so intriguing, like the world is, is dirty and it's Gotham. I mean, you know, everyone, no one wants to live there, but you know, you kind of want to see what happens there. So yeah, for me, this one is a super solid read, and yeah, Sam, I, I've got to recommend it to you. You need to pick it up. Look, as as a also a fan of Nightwing and Dick Grayson, this is definitely something that's on my list now. Um, Fantastic, Dick Grayson and Babs Gordon. So, Fantastic, <laughs> cool man. So now take us through to your second pick. Uh, my second pick is something called um, Batman: The Tale. Sorry, the tale, the War of Jokes and Riddles. Um, okay. So the War of Jokes and Riddles isn't, well, it is a self-contained story, but it is part of a larger narrative um, by the author's name, I believe is... Uh, it's Tom King. Tom King, there we go. Yeah, so he's responsible for this, um, this overarching narrative, but what he managed to do here is tell a story, basically that's... Um, I don't know how far we're allowed to go when it comes to spoilers here. Because uh, I, we I, can. I, yeah, I want to <laughs> I want to actually save a few of the surprises in the story for when people actually read it. Um, but basically the setup is Batman's proposing to Catwoman, and before he hears the answer from Catwoman, he tells her the story of the one time when Batman failed as a as a superhero, as as Gotham's protector. And he goes to this war that happened between the Joker and the Riddler. Um, like I said, I'm not going to go too deep into spoilers here, yeah. but this is one of the most insane stories I've ever read <laughs> in the DC universe. Like it's, it, it, um, there's there's a character in the story called Kite Man. Oh yes, Kite Man! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Kite Man is, I I didn't know who this character was, but after this series. I just wanted to research everything about this character and I think he might actually be my favorite, second favorite DC character now. Like, I'm not joking. <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> just... and the funniest thing is his name is Charlie Brown. His name is like Charles Brown. So actually like all the Charlie Brown jokes and good grief and everything, all those little hints that you see sometimes, it actually is true. His name is Charlie Brown. That's, actually I didn't think of it that way, wow. 
I'm, I'm such a big fan of Peanuts. This is... <laughs> didn't make the connection. No, it's like, the thing is, I've read this as well, and I really, really love, you know, the work that Tom King does, because mm. he, the way he writes it is just, it's very intriguing. As you say, this is an overarching narrative, and I think it was like, he had a plan for 100 issues, because this was supposed to time to the whole City of Bane storyline, and I know it got cut down a little bit, but just how he managed to slot the self-contained story. And I'll admit, you know, in the beginning when Tom King took over, I found that he, the, the Batman stories were a little bit all over the place. I wasn't entirely sold on this new direction. I thought, hmm, you know, what is he doing? Is it a bit too ambitious? And I think when, it, when we reached the War of Jokes and Riddles, and I think it was also the the Flashpoint story with the button as well that also appeared uh, in the Batman. I can't remember the name now. And the War of Jokes and Riddles actually said to me, okay, this this is good. This guy knows what he's doing. And especially because of the whole dynamic between the Joker and the Riddler and the way it played off the Riddler as like a serious, you know, homicidal maniac as well. It's like, you know, you normally think of the Riddler, oh, okay, cool. He's, you know, he's, he's got his corny little riddles and he wants to, you know, convince you how to do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, whatever, dude. And, but you look at the joke and you think, okay, that guy's gonna kill you. And this actually showed that the Riddler is just as evil as a joker basically i know i couldn't agree more with that um well the riddler is actually my favorite batman villain and i know there's a few other more popular stories that also showcase the riddlers you know the reason why is such a big deal in you know, batman's yeah. rogues gallery like hush and year zero but i think this was the first story where i saw the riddler probably what they're going to do in the batman where they have a mm. more serious, psychotic, serial killer take on the Riddler. I, I see them going in that direction, which is no, actually agreed. refreshing. It, it does make sense. I mean, I think, you know, we we actually posted an article this week on Fortress about how the movie Saw is basically an origin story for the Riddler. <laughs> I did read that. <laughs> it's, it actually makes sense. <laughs> it does. And I mean, if you look at Arkham, you know, like the, the sort of like traps that he, sent, that he sets for you, they're, they're all these like horrifying traps that you're going to die if, you know, one wrong move. And I think that that's the thing about the Riddler. He can actually be a, a terrifying villain if you know played correctly and i think you know the problem is that we've always associated the riddler with that you know sort of the campy like you know question marks green suit uh, you know, jim carrey <laughs> yeah yes exactly that sort of that sort of vibe and now you can actually see hang on this guy is you know he's a legitimate threat and if he's psychotic and all these plans it's like it's basically going to be like a david fincher movie like seven that's pretty much what i what i'm hoping to see out of like the batman that's that's the vibe i got from that trailer it was completely a david fincher movie if you didn't tell me it was matt reeves i would have told you it's a david fincher movie <laughs> yeah but i mean i think that you you absolutely spot on there um the war of jokes and riddles is it's a great story to to find out like what happens when two titans of our crime in Gotham basically go head to head and how they split the villains. It was actually quite interesting. I, I remember there was like a double, like a double page spread where you could see like all the villains who were on the Joker side and who were all on the Riddler side. It was kind of cool to kind of think, mm, okay, why did that one align with him? And you know, that actually, kind of um, yeah, sorry, that, that, that actually reminded me of the spread on uh, Captain America Civil War, the, the exact same one. And I don't yes. know if the, the story reminded you of Civil War in some cases. In a way, yes. It's kind of like was the the more evil civil war, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean, with like the the different villains choosing sides, it was it was very civil war. Yeah, I, I actually 
I actually would like them to explore, you know, this war like a little bit more and in depth in the future. It would actually be quite nice to see like why certain villains, you know, chose to align themselves with, you know, certain characters. It just, you know, like for example, I mean, we know the likes of the Penguin and the Riddler, like they've always been, you know, portrayed as being very close. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like about with the Joker, for example, everyone knows that you can't trust him. So why would somebody want to align themselves with him as an example it's just it's fascinating i think it would just be a really cool world to touch upon again yeah i'd, I'd love to see a sort of spin-off series sort of like night of the owl style where it goes into depth with each villain and their backstory and mm, why they yeah. made certain decisions i'd love to see that if tom no, king ever decides to go back to the story well, I mean, he's supposed to be working on the the Batman and Catwoman's uh, solo series. It's supposed to be coming out, but I mean, obviously with COVID and there were some delays at DC as well, with um, you know the whole structure changing, and so it, we're still waiting for that. But hopefully, you know, he gets to play in the Batman world again because I think he did something quite special. I know he upset a lot of people with some of the decisions he made. I mean, especially you know Alfred, in the rest in oh. peace, <laughs> and. Um, like stuff like that but you know i have a feeling that there's an inevitable reboots around the corner with dc at the moment especially with uh, what's happening in death metal so it's it's likely that you know what they might somewhere down the line they think hey cool let's revisit this world and, and do something i mean it'd be a shame if they don't i'd love to for them to go back and, and maybe change up a few things i know um the rebirth saga has been up and down but i'd like to see them tackle some stories again yeah definitely cool so now we're going on to my second pick and this one definitely has to be included here just because if you want to talk dark it doesn't get darker than this i'm talking about batman death of the family by scott snyder and greg capullo i need to start this off by saying what a story this is incredible this is the one where the joker peels off his face because he's having his own rebirth and basically he just goes after the entire Batman family. And the way that he teases Batman the whole time and the likes of Nightwing and Damien, the way that he actually does things, like for example, when he's hiding under a bed, you know, when Commissioner Gordon's at home and he switches off all the lights at the GCPD, it just, it, it freaks you out, man. This is, this is a story that I cannot recommend enough. It is just so, so good. And it's the first time as well, I think, in a very long time that we get a hint that the Joker knows exactly, you know, that Batman is Bruce Wayne. And the way that he toys with him, the way that he does this, but he never outright say, you know, like says it, because it's obviously going to destroy the fun between them. But the way it's played, it's just, and the way it ends, like, I cannot rave about the story enough. It's just one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. And I just think that, you know, everyone's talking about the Dark Knight Returns, about reinventing Batman. I truly believe that this was one of the stories that reinvented the Joker and Batman for a new generation of fans because suddenly it showed you that you can go super dark in this world and you know Batman can actually be a horror story. So Sam, have you read this? I have many times. This <laughs> is this is one of my favorite comic book stories ever. Like I I cannot tell you how much I love the story. Um it, first of all as as like um I I I, I did eventually fall in love with the killing joke. Not at first, but it took me some time to get used to. And yeah. I realized I, I like seeing this whole really almost psychotic over-the-top Joker. And mm. when I when I saw the first um comic book still of the Joker's face peeled off, that was mind-blowing at the time. I was like, holy crap. Like DC's exactly. going dark with this. And 
they didn't disappoint with the story, especially all the twists and turns it took and the ending. So good. Oh, I just so, I can't so rave about it enough. Yeah. But but you're right. I mean, the thing is, it just you know, DC just took a turn. They really embraced you know the new Fifty Two when it was supposed to go dark and go harder, basically. And they really embraced with Batman, and it really worked because Batman is a dark character, and I, I truly believe his best stories have always been the ones where he's allowed to play in his dark world. Because if you think about it, realistically, you've got this guy that runs around the city murdering people, and you're know, laughing about it and wearing clown makeup there's something wrong with this person like there's something you know you know there's something wrong so obviously you would look at it and say would the joker peel off his own face absolutely and again you know to to touch upon what we were talking about earlier like you know about how we said you know that the riddler could op operate in a sore sort of environment that, that's where he could come from i also see the same with the joker because you'd imagine him he wouldn't think twice about you know like you know chopping off his own hand to get, escape something you know and you find the fun side of it and this book for me is just it encompasses batman it encompasses the batman story and how it actually created a legitimate threat for batman which is, is something which we don't get all that often because you always know okay batman's going to overcome at the end of the day and no matter what the villains do and with this one you just got the sense of fear and especially the hint as well you know of death of the family because obviously it's a play on a death in the family which is the one where jason todd died and i always anticipated i thought to myself oh gosh is he going to kill like somebody crucial to the Batman family? And that's one of the things that kept me hanging on and just wondering like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But yeah, this book is incredible. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there from like the first scene of this this comic um, with Harley Quinn and the Joker. From then on, like the whole conversation they have about cutting off Harley Quinn's face. Yeah. The, the tension was just razor sharp throughout the, the entire story and I've never been so on edge like whenever I read this comic book I have to read it from beginning to end there's no pausing there's no it's it's always just sit down take an hour or two to just read this whole thing and oh, honestly it's one of my favorite Batman stories ever if they ever do make a movie okay. of this the material is right there it's so good for the taking <laughs> um, I actually found um, some fans that created an audio drama of, for the death of the family on YouTube and I listened to it. It was like a fan-made thing and it was so good. And even listening to it as an audio drama, it just reminded me, as you say, of that tension because you just, you don't know what's going to happen because you, you realize, you know, the Joker's like, he's officially snapped. He's gone, mm -hmm. you know, yes, you know, he's never been uh, the sanest person, but you suddenly now you have this guy who's peeling off his own face, wants to peel off his girlfriend's face. Um, kidnapping, you know, the entire Batman family. Is he going to kill them? What is going to happen? You just don't know. And that's the thing you like think, wow, okay, Joker's just taking it up to another level. He's like super evil now. And that for me just, yeah, I can't I can't praise this book enough. And I'm, I'm glad that you read it. I'm glad that you're praising it because everyone needs to read it. If anybody takes anything out of this podcast, please read Death of the Family. Yeah. Next to Court of Owls, I think this was, you know, the, the one story that made me go, Scott Snyder. He's a very talented yeah. man. Exactly. <laughs> but now we're going to be talking about another talented man who created another great Batman storyline. Will you please give me your third pick? All right. So my third pick is Batman White Knight by Sean Murphy. Oof, this is another good one. hands down one of my favorite Batman stories as well. Um, fun fact, I actually read this a couple of weeks ago when you suggested I read it because I had no idea about this comic before that oh wow 
And since then, okay. I've actually read it three times. Like, and I, I want to read it again. Um, it's oh, it, it's so good. The thing is, as you say, it's a bit of an Elseworlds sort of tale. The way the way that it, it takes, but it's managed to encompass a lot of the you know the batman like legacy things from the past like the batmobiles and you know the looks of the characters and, and yeah it's just one of those it kind of feels like you know it just gets batman like everything you enjoy about it yes and i think it's it's important because for the first time in in any sort of batman story we saw things not from batman's perspective suddenly the joker is a good guy the joker is jack napier you know yeah and he's a good guy he's genuinely trying to be a good guy and trying to save gotham and it's interesting to see how batman when you when you're not following him as a protagonist how easily he can be seen as the antagonist and like the flip of a switch like um if this story was entirely just about jack napier trying to clean gotham you wouldn't be able to tell batman's not a good guy that's how how much this comic actually flips your perspective no it's it's just so good the way that they manage to do things and bring in all the other characters and you know kind of also show the side of batman that you know he creates so much destruction in gotham city and where do they get the money to clean up the city after like you know he basically causes all these things and to show how the bat family is sort of grown and doing their own things i love how, how also like batman's responsible for a lot of the things that happen exactly that, that yeah. he causes it's just it's so brilliant it's so good and i know the sequel that came out also quite recently is a curse of the white knight and that's also like written by sean murphy and illustrated by sean murphy and it's it's also so good because it just carries on the legacy and he's already said that he plans on you know releasing more work in this world that he's created the, the murphy verse if we want to call it that and it's just like i think it's also the art style of this book because when you look at it it just it feels timeless in a sense like you know you kind of think yourself like it's not like certain batman books you look at them and you can see they haven't aged well or you can see they, they're defined by a certain like era you know like especially when you look at like let's say you know 2000s batman books you look at those and you think yourself okay you can see that was the period of like you know these glossy colors and these oversized you know superheroes that looked like rob liefeld was drawing everyone there <laughs> so yeah it was just that that was the style and i mean it's great but you know sometimes it just doesn't age so well no, not at all. And I think it, it, the art style of um, White Knight is so... When I first read it, it I, I genuinely thought it was something out of the 80s and 90s, like during that Killing Joke era. Mm. But, but when I actually looked at it, the publication was like, what, two, three years ago? I was... Uh, I, I mean, I was, I was so impressed by that. I'll never forget this book, actually, because... Um, you know, we obviously like sometimes, you know, being, you know, writing for the, you know, comic book publications, you receive some some previews and you release some early items. And I'll never forget reading the first issue of White Knight and thinking to myself, I need to speak to somebody about this. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was so good. And the problem is I couldn't, because obviously you got the embargo and you're just like, you know, and you really want to speak to someone. And I just think that this is one of those comics that a lot of people have not jumped on. They, they recognize the art because I think they've made some really cool figurines, like from uh, inspired by Sean Murphy's like drawings. But people actually just need to read the story because it just changes things. And I really hope that at some point they consider adapting this into an animated movie because I think that's the next logical step for this Murphy verse. Honestly, I'd love to see it given more attention because whenever I look at these, you know, the top 25 Batman graphic novels, for some reason, White Knight isn't on there, on a lot of them. And I'm like, why not? 
this is such a great yeah. story. This is such a a culture shock for like the characters of Joker and Batman. It needs to be on more people's lists. No, absolutely, and I, I think you touched on a very good point there. You know, with all these top twenty-five lists, and it's something I mentioned earlier as well. I think a lot of them haven't actually evolved and grown with the times. Like, you know, we're still looking at stories and yes, I mean, there's no doubt that the Dark Knight Returns and Hush, you know, the, the influence of generation of, of Batman stories and even, you know, the Batman that we see on screen. But there's a lot of stuff that's coming out now that is influential that deserves to also be mentioned there. It just maybe doesn't have the, the time factor on its side. Because as you say, White Knight, it's, what it did, it, it's transformative to Batman. You know, it, it paints a different picture. I mean, introducing, you know, different versions of characters and showing that you know the line between good and bad you know it depends you know through which through whose eyes you're looking at basically and i think that that was kind of very interesting concept to to showcase in the comic book and i i truly believe that this should be something that should be on everyone's list as well so white knight thumbs up there definitely and cool. thumbs and, up please um like um it, it, it if you're going to do yourself a favor, don't just read White Knight. Like at the moment, I'm actually reading uh, Sean Murphy's whole Murphyverse. Definitely look more into that because this guy is a seriously talented dude. No, and I was checking out, he has a Kickstarter as well for a new book. Um, the name escapes me at the moment, but it also looked pretty, pretty cool. So yeah, Sean Murphy, mm. yeah, he definitely knows what he's doing. But now we're moving on to our final pick. And this one is also a little bit left field, but... I just love the story. It is Batman Battle for the Cowl by Tony S. Daniel. And the thing about this one as well, and I think, you know, you guys will pick up why I really like this, is that this is a Dick Grayson story again, pretty much. Batman has disappeared. And now what they want to do is they need to find somebody to actually pick up the cowl. And there's different people, different pretenders coming up and different people saying, I should be the new Batman. And it kind of feels like a little bit like the death and the return of Superman story. Like when, you know, Superman disappeared and then you suddenly have Superboy and Steel and all these people popping up and saying, I want to be the new Superman. And I found that this was DC's equivalent to it. And it was just so well written. I just, I was intrigued by it because I was thinking, you know, a lot of people have merits. They can actually be the next Batman. Have you read this by any chance, Sam? I have, yes. Um, this was actually the, the comic book that made me a fan of Nightwing. Was it this one, the first one? That was it, yeah. I actually read this as a recommendation from a friend because I was just getting into Dick Grayson, you know, the Nightwing persona and everything. And this was always highly recommended and I'm so glad I read it. It's also so cool because it's such an interesting story that came out of Final Crisis. And for me, that that was the main thing. It's nice sometimes, you know, I think with Batman, it's one of those characters and it's it's a common complaint that we see of him that he's everywhere. You know, there's always a Batman movie. There's always, you know, Batman's everywhere you see. And this was... They actually stepped away and they're like, okay, cool. You know, let's rest Batman for a while. Let's focus on other characters. And I found that that was, you know, the best part about it because, yeah, sometimes it is actually great to see every, all of the supporting characters and how they interact with each other, you know, how they get on without Batman. You know, what, what does a world without Batman look like? And for me, Battle for the Cal is, is definitely up there. And again, the artwork is just next level. Um, this is another artist I highly recommend. I see he's actually working with uh, Scott, Scott, Scott Snyder at the moment. They're working on a brand new uh, like indie project. They've got a Kickstarter going for it. And yeah, I just think the art style is amazing. The writing's great. It's just, it's a story that I cannot get enough of. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, if, if you're really looking forward to the upcoming um, Warner Brothers Montreal game, Gotham Knights, 
if you want to do a little bit of like um you know for context and background definitely definitely read battle of battle for the cow because i feel like it's 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 following the the same formula of what Gotham Knights is essentially doing. It's it's a world without Batman. How does Nightwing, how does, okay, not Kate Kane, but Barbara Gordon, how do they all exist without Batman? How is Gotham without Batman? And I think mm. the way Tony Daniel actually explores it in the story is really interesting. It, it took a few turns that I didn't expect it to go in, especially with the character of Nightwing, but yeah. it ended up making me appreciate the character more. No, definitely. And I think you're spot on there about the Gotham Knights. I think it's, it's like almost like a perfect mishmash of, you know, the Court of Owls and the Battle for the Cowl in a way. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting you, you mentioned that because I actually, for some reason, I never saw that before. Like, and now it just makes sense. I'm like, it's right there in front of me. Like, why did I not see that? It's like, it makes so much sense. <laughs> uh, uh, that's actually, I'm, I'm busy with an article now about like, um, you know, the, the comic books that might have inspired Gotham Knights. And yeah. uh, I remembered Battle for the Cowl, and I was like, wait, that's probably the most important comic in all of this. I it think, just makes personally. so much sense. Yeah. Because I know that, the, like, we obviously knew they were working on, it was inspired by Court of, Court of Owls. We knew that really, like, last year sometime, because all the leaks were coming out, and it, it was, like, the worst-kept secret in the industry. But <laughs> the fact that, you know, like that now they just have you know the, the characters because everybody thought okay you're just gonna be playing as batman and you know you're gonna have the ability to play some of the other batman characters but they've actually removed batman from the game it's a pretty gutsy move i must admit because naturally you're buying a batman game you know people want to play as batman but they're saying you know what here here are some other characters that are just as cool as batman imagine a world without batman and play as these characters and i think that's quite a quite a gutsy move but i'm keen to see what, what actually happens with that Mm, definitely. I think you, you raise a good point there. And, um, I remember when Battle for the Cow was in its like popularity phase about 10 years ago. And I kept on hearing my friends saying like, oh, it's it's so gutsy that Batman's hardly in the story. And now I'm seeing the same talk happening with Gotham Knights. I'm like, well, <laughs> it, it literally feels like we had this conversation <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> but it, it does. I mean, the thing is like... It's the whole thing of Nightwing being Batman. It's an interesting concept that happens every couple of years. Like, it's it's not original anymore. It's not unique. But it's a really cool way to just give Batman a bit of a break. And, you know, as far as I understand, that was the plan at DC as well, you know, before their previous, um, you know, chief left. There was a plan to basically give a cowl to someone else. I don't know if they will follow through with that. I don't know if it's going to be still part of the whole 5G universe that they had going. But it's it's interesting to see when somebody else takes up the mantle because it just gives him a bit of a break. And when he comes back, you know, you appreciate him. It's kind of like reminds me a little bit of when a band releases an album. Like they always say, release an album, tour for two years, then go away. Like don't don't mm -hmm. don't show up for a while because people get sick of you. They see your face everywhere. It's like it's probably the reason why like most people despise Justin Bieber because for like <laughs> about ten years we just saw him everywhere. He's on Twitter. He's on TV. He's on the radio. It's like oh dude, just go away. You're like following me around now. I hate this. And I think you know with Batman it's probably the same. I mean I'm seeing like now like especially on Twitter recently when the with the Batman trailer came out a lot of people are like oh another Batman movie and I'm like. You know what actually it's not that bad because the last time we had a purely batman movie was 2012 that was eight years ago yes you had batman versus superman but you know it was a bit of a crossover but i'm saying purely batman was eight years ago so that's actually not that bad i mean considering the fact that you know we had three spider-man actors in 
what, like less than 10 years? I think it, I think less than that actually, if you consider 2007 to 2000, and, yeah, actually about eight years. Three yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was because it was uh, Tobey Maguire's last one was Spider-Man 3, 2007. Then it was Andrew Garfield, uh, 2012. And then uh, it was he was again, I think, in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Or, no, I think 2014. was, yeah. 2014 or 2015, yeah, somewhere around there. And then suddenly, you know, obviously you have, you know, Tom Holland in Avengers Civil War in 2016. So, yeah, I think, you know, people saying that about Batman, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, look. To be fair, we've also got like now eight, uh, like you know, three Batman actors in eight years, so he's also a little bit, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I still think you know he's such an important character, and I think you know the comics that we've just gone through now, the fact that we've been able to pick you know basically six comics here that a lot of people don't know and rave about them, and actually still discuss, you know, we could still discuss probably hundreds more. And, you know, single issues and, you know, crossovers. And I mean, this crossovers, Batman and the Punisher, you know, Batman and the Predator. It's like all these things that are out there. And he's just such a seminal character. And I really believe that without him, comics just wouldn't be the same. We wouldn't be where we're at right now if Batman didn't exist. Oh, hands down. I mean, the way that like Spider-Man sort of built the Marvel brand, it's the way I see how Batman built the DC brand. Sorry, Superman fans, but let's just be honest. <laughs> DC both, I mean, Batman both DC. <laughs> yeah, I know it's true. I, I know Superman yep. fans will, will always argue about that, but um, yeah, sorry guys. I mean, facts are facts and we've got to face it. But Sam, I want to say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure just talking Batman with you. And we definitely need to bring you on again. We, we oh, it's been we so much to... fun. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being on you again. It's, it's so cool. Just like getting no, to chat about geek out and chat about comics love it no, definitely and we'll definitely bring you back and for everyone else thanks a lot for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to the channel and drop us a comment down below and let us know what you think of the podcast until next time 